Hello, ninjas and ninjas, and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at Exposure Ninja, which is a 60-person digital agency based in the UK. This show is all about helping you to grow your business using the internet. But in this episode, we're actually going to take a slightly different tack. I'd like to introduce Nate Lind. Now, Nate has a ridiculous story. He's been on a hell of a journey from starting out flipping houses, so being in real estate development, to becoming a consultant, and then eventually somehow ended up as the vice president of Bank of America. He then left that and has started his own businesses since. And the business that we're gonna be focusing on most today is AdSum, which is a mastermind group that he's run. And this episode is focused on how listeners or watchers can start their own mastermind groups, the benefit of doing this, how this can help you transform your business, but also help you figure out a bunch of stuff that you might not be able to figure out so quickly on your own. So Nate takes us behind the scenes of AdSum and explains how he's grown it, how he's evolved it over time and how he's added in what he calls an anti-trade show trade show, which is kind of what it's become. So fascinating insights into someone who's done a lot of stuff. He's really pushed himself to the edge of his comfort zone and has an amazing story to tell as a result. So I hope you get some inspiration from this. Uh, Without further ado, welcome to the show, Nate. Well, Nate, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you've done a ridiculous amount of stuff from real estate to Bank of America vice president to owner of probably one of the most epic beards I've ever seen. When you're at a cocktail party, how on earth do you introduce yourself to people? Well, I I usually don't have to introduce myself. Usually the beard starts the conversation. So (laughs) people are, you know, they'll ask, you know, what do you do? Or they'll say, man, that's an epic beard. Or the women will comment on it. And I have to uh, to slap their hand away from it as well. My wife has made it pretty clear that my beard is a a no woman zone for anybody else. So, um, so yeah, that's usually what starts the conversation. (laughs) Perfect. And you run a whole host of businesses, don't you, today? Obviously, we're going to be talking about the mastermind, legendary man, but you've you've got a you've got fingers in multiple different pies yeah well the the mastermind the online mastermind is add some and legendary man is kind of the expression that uh that i and my brand that i brought to the market for uh for consumers so the the entrepreneurial mastermind and how it got started is all the the add some story and i think uh you know that's going to be very applicable to your audience perfect so take us back to when you decided to to start the add some mastermind what were your reasons for doing it? Yeah. So one of the things that was really frustrating for me when I got started in internet marketing is there wasn't a great community where I could ask questions and just kind of belong to. So it, it was frustrating for me specifically because I came from a real estate background and in real estate, there's very, um, it's a very mature industry. There's a lot of communities that exist within it. If you're a realtor, you have a community. If you're a wholesaler, you have a community. If you're a flipper, uh, a rehabber, a lease option guy, a, a commercial guy, mm, I mean, what else? There's so many different communities like apartment, you know, flipping and that sort of stuff or just running apartments. And that was the background and experience that I had through a lot of my professional career getting to that point. And when I got into internet marketing and selling products direct to consumer, so that whole business to consumer, B to C, they call it, and selling consumer goods, there wasn't a, a, a community at all that I could exist in or belong to. So I started to create it. And I would go to different trade shows. Uh, some of them were like affiliate focused or others were marketing focused. 
And I noticed that the majority of the internet marketing and online e-commerce and subscription box type uh, trade shows all filled one need. It was really to, to communicate and to provide content for the marketing aspect of the industry. But they completely left out the most uh, difficult part of the business, in my opinion, which is the operations, uh, managing the, the actual growth of the business, fulfilling the products, dealing with the customer service, like all the things that make the business tick after you get the customer uh, acquired. And because of those, that frustration and the lack of, of the community that existed, I just started networking at these different trade shows. And eventually, just one by one, uh, I really put myself out there to go meet other what I call advertisers. So the brand owners that are selling products direct to consumers that are advertising their products, that advertiser was what I really wanted to talk to because that's what I was doing. And one by one, I started a kind of a small mastermind called the Continuity Council. And it was mostly continuity-based merchants or continuity-based advertisers. And it started with a meeting out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. About 35 of them flew in from around the country. This is after a couple of years of networking and just talking with them on Skype and different places online. And we had this held this first meeting and, and uh, you know, people paid to come out, you know, to cover the cost of the event. It wasn't terribly expensive, but uh, they had to travel and, you know, spend their time to come out as well. But what was common for all of us is that we were selling continuity-based products and on a subscription model. And everyone has their own set of difficulties and challenges with that. Um, you know, finding your own, you know, finding supply, uh, manufacturing, fulfillment, customer service, credit card processing. A lot of those are issues that come up over and over again for those type of merchants, uh, those advertisers. And we just started meeting a couple of times a year. And that grew from like 30 people to 200 people to then I changed the name of it to Add Some, which is short for Advertiser Summit and held an event in Aspen, Colorado in December of 2016. And we had 300 people show up uh, to the country's richest city. And we threw essentially a kind of a cocktail party uh, mastermind trade show. It's kind of our own hybrid uh, of a trade show for three days in Aspen, Colorado. And it really uh, you know, kicked off a, a big thing. We had a lot of uh, participants in the industry as well. So companies that help those brand owners succeed. So companies that are like manufacturers and fulfillment of uh, customer service, those different types of companies that exist to serve the advertiser would come and, and help sponsor the event to create this atmosphere where all these brand owners can get together and can share war stories and can learn from each other. And then, you know, we had uh, panels and, and different sessions that people were learning, you know, what was applicable to them as opposed to the nonstop uh, drip or force feed of affiliate marketing or other, you know, paid media or earned media or, or other different types of marketing content. We were really talking to them about some of the operations in the back end of their businesses and helping them get through the, the tough times that they were existing uh, at, at that point. So am I right in thinking that you were facing some tough times or you were, I guess you had questions and you wanted to talk this stuff over with people. So you were building kind of the support network for that, but it then became your mastermind. Is that right? Or did you just spot the need and you decided to create a product for that need? No, this was all for my, all for myself. This was this is a total selfish thing in the beginning. I I was having problems. I, I'm un, unapologetic about that. This this started to serve my own needs, and I, I was I was looking for ways to try to fix problems. Exactly, I wanted to talk with other people that were having similar challenges as myself, 
So uh, I, I would just start talking with them. And and I, I've known for a long time, and I've had mentors teach me this as well, is that you only get back what you give in. And and I'm a very giving person too. I think a lot of people are drawn to me because uh, I, I very freely share my foibles, my my challenges, my failures, as well as my successes. And I think being authentic about sharing those failures is actually really what drove a lot of the growth of the mastermind in the beginning, because I would tell people, oh man, don't do this if you're shipping to Australia, or uh, don't do this if you're shipping out of Canada. You know, I would just talk about those things, the problems that I was having, like dealing with customs or dealing with different credit card processing. And, you know, when you're shipping over different uh, international lines and into, you know, different countries, there's all sorts of logistical challenges and, and, and issues that come up. And I would just share with, with what in the beginning started as my, my group of friends, my, you know, my band of brothers, and it, it just grew and grew. And, and, um, it kind of organically in the beginning was, uh, was more men than women. And, and that, that changed over time as more and more people, uh, you know, found interest in what it was that I was saying. And when we uh, made that shift from the, the flat, straight out mastermind of the continuity council model into my anti-trade show, trade show of ad, of ad sum, uh, it just continued to grow. But it's, it's always been uh, scratching my own itch. That's really interesting. A few things you mentioned there, but I think the, 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 the focus on sharing is, is really important. I, I'd imagine that there are people listening who've kind of contemplated starting a mastermind, but it can feel quite scary because maybe they assume that all the focus is on them and them providing content and explanation and, and them kind of being, being, I guess, the master in the mastermind, whereas actually the best masterminds are completely collaborative, aren't they? And it's that, that interaction with people and hearing from other people's success stories. I'm a member of War Room in, in the US and I was amazed at the first sessions that actually the guys who were taking the money for the mastermind, who are the organizers, actually weren't providing maybe more than 50% of the content. And actually it was the other attendees. And actually it was the other attendees' experiences which were as valuable, if not more valuable than than the people that were hosting. So what would you say to people who are thinking, I, I, I'm not really sure about the mastermind thing for me because I'm not sure I could be that fountain of knowledge for my for my audience? Well, I, I can share that uh, that level of fear in the beginning as well. I, I'm, you know, getting to the point where I, I feel more and more comfortable just sharing what I think are somewhat insignificant, you know, tidbits of knowledge for myself but end up being, you know, very valuable for other people. Like, uh, you know, I have, you know, my own self-doubt, you know, as a, as a part of, you know, being out there in the world and, and being public and being authentic about, you know, what I'm up to and, you know, what my successes and failures are. But I think, you know, if I'm an audience member to your podcast and I've given some consideration to starting a mastermind, or if I already have a community, or if I've got a product company or a digital, you know, some type of digital advertising, and there's clients that I serve, or there is, a, a community that could exist, I would definitely recommend that you don't look at yourself as the sole content creator for that community and that the act of creating community in of itself can be content creation and the community can self-create. And that's really what giant platforms like Facebook did. That's what Instagram's done. Like they don't provide the content. They're just the framework by which everyone gets together and can create community. And then just using like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you can, you start at a, at a basis where you create this belonging and you set the stage for how the community can create itself by 
expressing yourself and being the model for how people are communicating to one another. And when you do that long enough, people will model and adapt to your type of communication style and they will continue to do that. So it takes a lot of the burden off your shoulders for providing the content, but you do need to get it kicked off and you have to be willing to share and you, you need to have that. Uh, you have to have something of value for people to come to you and want to learn from you. I frequently will get you know messages from people that I shared five or 10 minutes of my time with a couple of years ago. And, you know, they'll comment and it's, you know, it's like, you know, tear jerking comments about how I really helped them in their business. And they were really struggling with something, but they got some inspiration out of something that I said, or they learned a new technique, which, you know, helped them kind of turn the tide from, you know, from not being profitable to being, to being profitable. And that's the, you know, kind of the sob story, you know, fun side of, uh, of, of what I really enjoy. Like I like getting those types of testimonies. And it was really fulfilling for me to create an event that is not like the booths and banner trade shows that you see all over the place that just exist to gobble up your money and then force as many sponsors down your throat as they can. Like I really wanted to create an event that was something I wanted to go to. I want to ask you about the kind of audience profile, because in order for you to be able to spend a couple minutes with someone and to get a, a tear jerking testimonial a couple of years later, you have to have a real direct hit with that audience member, don't you? You have to be, you have to know your audience and you have to make sure that you are completely aligned and, and your experience is completely relevant. So when you were designing the audience for your mastermind, this advertiser avatar that you created, how did you go about designing that person? And, and then how did you make sure that that message about your mastermind got out to that person? So for me, it was fairly easy because I, I have a product uh, company. You know, I own several consumer brands. We sell products to men and women around the world. They're mostly health and beauty products. So I started with that. And surprisingly, there's a ton of other companies that are doing that. And they're small to mid cap companies. So they're anywhere between, I don't know, $150,000 a year in gross sales to $50 million a year in gross sales. And the ad some community exists kind of in that, that million dollars to $40 million a year in sales. So they're actually fairly affluent in terms of uh, their gross sales. But in many cases, their uh, their net margins, not, uh, not phenomenal. So when I'm talking with people that are in those sorts of situation, they're doing a lot of business and they're, they're making a lot of revenue, but there's a lot of expenses that are going on with it as well. And the big one is the acquisition of the customer. Uh, many of those companies will use affiliates or affiliate networks to drive large amounts of sale uh, sales, but it will also eat 30 to 45% of their gross revenue. So they're spending a tremendous amount of money on advertising, which isn't uncommon for the online space, but they also don't have a whole lot of insight and, and knowledge about how to further monetize the customer. And uh, so it's very front end heavy. So the, the industry that, that really I've, I've catered towards is very front end heavy online advertisers and then, you know, helping them and teaching them with some of the back end monetizations. And I, I got into the weeds. I actually I wrote and built an analytics platform that helped me understand when I was selling to customer A, how much was that customer going to make me in profit? Because it was so frustrating, especially based uh, selling on a subscription or in, through a continuity model you're outlaying tons of money up front and you don't know exactly how much money you're going to make over time unless you can really use some predictive uh, analysis and, and almost it's like creating pro formas for your your tranches or your vintages or groups of customers, however you like to call it. 
And that was some of the skills that I had learned from, from my, my real estate and mortgage background and working the Bank of America and setting up uh, program management and, and the analytics behind all of that. So I kind of took the real estate approach to how mortgage companies look at uh, mortgage customers and the cash flow of that and applied it to the direct response marketing industry with these subscription-based companies. And um, that worked out great. I ended up selling that intellectual property to a large CRM. It's a, they're a big, a big sponsor of AdSum. They're, they're called Limelight, and they've integrated that technology and those analytics into their platform for the rest of their customers. Uh, kind of a, a quiet, unsung hero to people who don't know anything about that. But it's really, really important if you're going to sell online, especially if you're going to sell on a subscription, that you know exactly how much you're going to make as quickly as you can in the customer's journey through your subscription as possible. Otherwise, you're going to eat through a whole lot of money and you'll come out with a whole lot of nothing at the end. That's so sick, dude. <laughs> I love how you've taken that profiling and, and taken it to a completely in, put it in a completely new place. That's That's awesome. What, what was the format of these early mastermind meetings and how did you evolve that into the add some anti-trade show trade show? Yeah, it's a great question. So, and it's changed organically and I'm learning constantly. Every time we do one of these events, I'm taking people's feedback and making changes. It's I, I'd split test the event just like I do my online marketing. So when we started, it was all war room style. It was all round robin style. And I, and I called them war rooms. And I know there's tra- there's masterminds that, that use that word and it's smart, it's effective because that's really what it was. It w- I would get together, you know, 30, 40 plus people and we would set the room up in a giant, you know, circle or kind of a U shape. And then uh, I would kick off the event by talking about, uh, I would, inter- you know, introduce myself obviously, and then talk to everybody and get everyone else to, you know, do a little bit of icebreaking in the beginning because in the, in the very beginning, nobody knew each other except for what a Skype name was. So they didn't know each other's names and, you know, people were kind of reserved and, and timid and you get together a whole bunch of internet, you know, focused businessmen, businessmen and women. And there's an introverted aspect to them that it takes a little bit of like grooming and cultivating to get them to break out of that shell. So, you know, I would just do it by setting the stage and, and just providing the example. So in the beginning, I went through and I acknowledged everybody in, in different ways that they had touched me or that I had learned from them to get the sharing flowing. And then I had prepared uh, a number of different topics that I was interested in, in discussing. And we just started going through those topics. And as I was sharing what I was up to, uh, that people would start to comment. And then, you know, through the course of the end of the first day, like people were really starting to open up. And then we did it at kind of like what you do with, uh, with corporate, like offsites. Like we had it at a, at a resort here in Albuquerque uh, called the uh, Hyatamaya. It's a beautiful resort. And we just spent all weekend together. It was basically all day Friday, Saturday, and then most of the day on Sunday. So that was how we started, uh, continued to evolve a little bit. And one of the one of the big evolutions was instead of just focusing on uh, the attendees helping to create the experience, I also started to reach into the uh, the community. So the industry has a number of different components to it. And there's service providers and there's software providers, there's solutions providers and stuff that are in, in the industry that help facilitate the success of the online advertiser. And as I started to integrate with them and, and uh, it really was in the form of sponsorship. So it, I would apply their funding to the event to continue to grow and, and to create a more unique and, and elegant and exclusive experience. When we made a change into AdSum itself, the, the, the grand event, we, we went to a panel format. So for the content, much of it was three or four people up on stage and they were talking about specific topics and sharing what was working for them and what wasn't working for them. And it was a little bit heavy, I think, on the sponsorship side. So the individuals that were um, the individual companies that were sponsoring the event had a platform by which they could talk a little bit about a little bit deeper 
uh, aspect of themselves and their business. Because many of the software and solution and, and service providers in the industry have come from an, an advertising background themselves. And they wanted to share a little bit about that. So um, the platform that we created the, this last year was uh, the content was largely around specific topics. And then uh, myself and other sponsors or service providers commenting on those topics. And I got some feedback about that, that, you know, some people liked it. Some people didn't like it quite so much. So that for the upcoming event we've got this year, we're bringing back the war rooms. And this year we're, we've got a number of, of great content speakers that aren't um, the typical solution provider or service provider in the industry. So it's not a filming company up there that's, um, you know, is talking a little bit about their background, but, you know, kind of with the idea that, you know, they're going to establish some authority within the community that will turn into sales for them. Um, that's not what happens this year. So this year we have, you know, people that are really experienced at video marketing and email marketing and Amazon marketing, like adding other aspects to this, uh, this advertiser, um, uh, avatar that I've, that I've, as you mentioned that I've created, it's this group of advertisers that don't do a lot of, uh, video advertising. They don't do hardly any Amazon advertising, which is insane because they're doing, you know, in some cases, millions of dollars a year, but they don't use Amazon as a, uh, as a, a diversification for their product sales which is just nutso to me. I've done that for a long time and it's made a ton of money for me. And if you're driving a bunch of traffic, th traffic through affiliates or paid media or even social, uh, social media or search uh, um, SEO, and you're not on Amazon, you're losing a ton of money. So we're introducing that, that concept to people and, and uh, just adding additional ways that they can make money and reduce their exposure to, you know, risk that comes from just outlining a ton of money or, or other risks that their business may face. Yeah, that's awesome. I guess knowing and having a really tight avatar means that you're able to bring in new expertise for the areas that you can see your audience lacks. Whereas someone maybe who has a, a less focused audience for, for their mastermind might not be able to identify those common needs amongst their members, perhaps. I would totally agree. And I think that's somewhat of the downfall of many of the big internet marketing and, and, and affiliate based marketing trade shows are that they've spread themselves so thin as to who they are providing content to. They basically don't provide, I think, much meaningful content to anybody. They're so, they're so general that the, the content is not specific enough to really help a, um, you know, a segment. And for me, I found a segment that was affluent. That's a bonus. And it's also a segment that was underserved. Uh, there wasn't content for them. So we were unknowingly creating content as the war rooms were, were going on for the first several years. And, and then, you know, that's really what triggered it to me that, okay, I think there's a, there's an opportunity here. So, and I wanted to continue to create events that I wanted to go to and just, you know, just doing like a 30 person or 40 person mastermind, or even, you know, I think the biggest one we did in that round robin style was like 80 people. It actually becomes more, there's a, there's a period of time there where it's more difficult to actually serve like 80 people than it is either 20 or 200. So I wanted to grow the show into a larger format, but then keep the small kind of close knit, you know, uh, uh, tighter relationships that it did in, in the round robins in the war rooms earlier on. And that that's really what led to the format change this year. So we've got on Saturday, we've got these large panels that, you know, people can, you know, hang out, you know, in, in a larger room. And then on Sunday, we break out in these, these small breakouts. So people are able to get into those 20 person, 30 person rooms and really share in a little bit more of an intimate environment about topics that are specifically going to help them over the course of the next 12 months. And our avatar is growing just a little bit as well, as opposed to it starting out just being, you know, people who are selling or companies that are selling direct through affiliates and affiliate uh, marketing, you know, direct to consumer products. 
to uh, all sorts of different types of online advertising companies, people that are using, you know, different types of paid media, people who are using SEO and are using content to, to start to drive and, and create traffic. And that's where my brands have been going to. And that was the birth of, of Legendary Man as a brand company, uh, because I, I felt that same need to continue to build community. And that's been an evolution for the, you know, this advertiser avatar that has started with me. Many of them have, uh, you know, they started with these products that were, you know, maybe not particularly quality focused. Maybe they were more validity of um, uh, quantity focused for uh, for mass uh, mass appeal and mass distribution. But now many of them, like myself, are looking at, okay, well, how can we achieve the same scale, but also introduce a level of quality to these products that really has your customers singing their praise? And that, that's the movement that I've headed towards. And then how can we create content around those products that really educates the consumer so that they, you know, not only are just, you know, looking for whatever doohickey widget or uh, oil or cream or, or supplement that you're selling, but they're also learning something like they're, you're, you're getting some stories that come with it. You've got some content or some DIY or some other tips and tricks that are giving some value to them. So it creates a longer uh, a longer customer subscription chain for you as well. So it, it, and when you create more money, then it gives you the opportunity to create a better experience for your customer. So I've taken the community based uh, the, and the community focused um, mastermind and, and building and, and, um, and trade show and applied it to my business. And that's what I've been growing over the last year or so. So it's, it's been kind of fun watching these guys that I started with several years ago. They've been also seeing that, you know, I'm doing public, you know, doing some public speaking and some public engagements and creating some awareness around my, my brands and, and the missions and themes and core values of it. And I, I know they're, they're scratching their head on me like, what in the heck is Nate doing? Well, I'm leading by example. I'm showing them what I'm doing and then I'm letting them, you know, replicate whether they choose to or not based on a model of how I'm existing out there. And I found uh, that that way of teaching works a whole lot better for guys than, than the lecture model. And I know that because I've got two boys that don't do anything I say when I tell them to do it. But if I just <laughs> do it, they follow me and they, they mimic everything I do. So it's funny, the way that we learn as, as little boys is the same way we learn as grown men. Sure is, it sure is. Uh, I'm just fine. I'm going to have a little boy as well. So I've got all of that too. Congratulations. It's it's great. You're going to love being, you're, you, he's going to be a mini you, no doubt. And everything you do, he will do too. <laughs> Can't wait to get him his first laptop or whatever they'll have by then. I want to ask you about pricing because the mastermind thing varies massively from, you know, very low cost masterminds up to hundreds or you know tens or hundreds of thousands of, of dollars per year. So how do you decide where to price and what were the, have you tested pricing and what were the things that made you say, okay, cool, I've got this right. Yeah, so we we tested pricing over uh, over a course of several years, and the very first event I did was a weekend for like seven hundred and fifty dollars, and it didn't break even. So I knew economically, all right, that's not going to work. It's it just the cost of the dang hotel and like some stupid coffee and and peanuts and stuff was was just insanely expensive. So the dang venues just they they drive the underlying cost of those events so much. And when they're charging you like eighty dollars per gallon of coffee, it's 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 crazy. It's ludicrous. So 
we started there and the pricing went up <laughs> and then it continued to go up because the pricing, you know, of the event itself, you know, just got more expensive as we were creating these experiences. But I knew the environment by which we held these events was so critical to setting a stage for the openness and the sharing and the camaraderie that would get built that it was it necessitated the increase in price. Um, so we're we're at some is now is it I think our early bird ticket, it's like uh, fourteen hundred dollars. It doesn't include the hotel or the travel, uh, but it includes the 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 party Friday night, all of the sessions on Saturday, uh, a happy hour on Saturday evening, and then a uh, the similar thing on Sunday as well. So we're we're actually doing quite a bit to feed people, um, you know, on Saturday and Sunday, you know, for it. And as anyone who's ever thrown an event before knows that the food and beverage for these events, you know, for any any show is just ludicrously expensive. So. We feel like it's a pretty value-oriented proposition compared to masterminds. And as you mentioned, like some of the big masterminds are, you know, 20, 25,000 to, you know, you've got, I think Joe Polish has got some genius network stuff. It's like $100,000, you know, good, good for them. That's, that's great. You know, that, that appeals and draws, you know, a specific segment of, um, you know, of the online, you know, high caliber businessmen. But $1,400 for an event and then, you know, probably add in, you know, another thousand bucks for your hotel if you stay for three nights and then another, you know, five or 600 bucks for your, uh, for your flight. So it's about 2,500 bucks uh, to 3,500 bucks all in. And the value that you get just sitting in the event, it's crazy. Like for instance, a couple of years ago, someone taught me a specific strategy on how to, how to accept prepaid credit cards. And I thought to myself, well, I'm selling on subscription. Why would I ever want to accept prepaid credit cards? They only have probably... I don't know, 50, 60, 80, hundred dollars, you know, you know, loaded into the prepaid credit card. But he went to explain the strategy and the tactics of how you can accept those and, and actually make really good money. And so I implemented that. And over the course of probably like the three or four years that, that I've been accepting prepaid credit cards, even on, even on subscription uh, products, it's made me hundreds of thousands of dollars. And uh, like those are, that's just one case study of a variety of them that happen in the event that it's either content coming from our speakers uh, or it's coming from the guy sitting next to you in the audience or the guy sitting next to you at the bar. And that was, that was kind of the environment that we wanted to create. And there's no booths, there's no banners. It's, it's, I've never seen a, an event conducted like this. And um, I, I'm just curious how uh, how it's going to grow over time because it is certainly growing and it, it's uh, you know we had an amazing outpouring of uh, of interest and and uh, testimony and and just you know sheer you know love and fascination for the event after the last one it really just like filled me with energy and excitement to go continue doing it and then that's actually a huge part of the inspiration for me to create that type of community for my consumer brands and that's what I've been doing over the last uh, 10 11 months. You mentioned how you've worked to play with the format so that as it grows, you still kind of balance that intimacy, which people value so much in a mastermind. But obviously, as it grows, you kind of need to create intimacy at scale. And then obviously, there's the whole experience and, you know, people having a great time, which which keeps them coming back as well. But what do you do consciously to make sure that you're retaining people to make sure that they're coming back year over year over year? Well, the key thing is having my thumb on the pulse of what's going on. One of the things that we do too is we we have a Slack community. So for people that are interested in in the the event, and um, you know they they want to learn a little bit more about it, and they you know they want to kind of get a, a, a taste or a teaser for what the audience is, uh, we invite them into our Slack community, and we've got you know hundreds of people that are in there, and they're selling products around the world. It's all direct to consumer. They're primarily using performance marketing to sell their products. 
Uh, they've already gone through that early grind where you've learned how hard it is to get traffic. So you eventually turn to, you know, the, the, the waterfall of traffic that comes from performance marketing. And I know I, I take that for granted a lot because I hear I listen to a lot of podcasts and I, I, I talk with and, and listen to a number of people that are you know starting businesses and trying to get into Internet marketing. And there's there's like this tipping point where people realize that all of a sudden you can't just like put up a website and get a ton of sales like you have to market <laughs> it. You, you really need to you have to put some gas into that into that car. Yeah, you may have a Lamborghini sitting in your driveway, but if you don't have any gas to, to get around the corner. It's a pretty much, you know, it's a nice looking, you know, uh, eye candy in, in your driveway. Maybe it makes you feel good and look good in your community, but it's not doing anything. So performance marketing has really been, that was really the, uh, the fuel uh, for my rocket engine as I got started many, many years ago is to get the, get the, the, sa- the sales and the economy uh, of sales going to which I was able to, you know, continue to cut my teeth on different marketing strategies and different, uh, different ways to, to add value to my customers as well. So I, being in the thick of things and being an advertiser and, and being a product company is critical to, you know, my being able to deliver uh, quality content because I'm doing that, you know, across all of my brands, we sell, you know, mid eight figures uh, a, a year. So I, I know what's going on and, and we know what problems that we're having. And so I can then make assumptions of the problems that I'm having that others are having as well. But then as opposed to just making assumptions, having that Slack community year round is really helpful because people aren't afraid to bubble up. Oh man, and like this thing, you know, took me from as a surprise and I had a bunch of problems with it. And, and so I can hear what's going on and, and I'll comment too. Uh, but what's great about having the community is getting back to one of your earlier questions. I'm not the only one commenting on it. So I'm not having, I'm not having to create, you know, all of this content all by myself. The community is self-generating. Yeah, that's, that's so important, isn't it? And that, that Slack community also, I guess, allows you to have steady contact with people throughout the year when they're not at the show. So it keeps you top of mind, even when they've gone home. The initial buzz that everyone has after something like this has maybe started to wane a little bit, but they know that they've got that support there and they get access to that because they're going to be going back next year. So I guess it kind of keeps it as a constant throughout their life, would you say? Yeah, I'd say it's kind of like a high school reunion. That's not one of those irritating ones where you're afraid to go back and see the person that picked on you or that made fun of you or whatever. It's it's, it's really like your, your close group of friends that are actually in the thick of things. And I, I hear this comment quite a bit from the attendees. It's like, man, Nate, this is like the only place I can go to where I can actually talk about the, the problems and the challenges and, you know, kind of the situations that I'm going through. Like, I can't really have this conversation with my spouse and I can't really talk about this with my employees. You know, I, I can't, I can't share myself with them because, you know, I've got, you know, this position, this position of leadership, or, you know, I, I you know, I have a spouse that's not familiar with this industry, or, or I just don't want to share those type of things. Like in my personal relationship, I, you know, I like to keep a little bit of a distance, you know, between work and, and, and play in the family life that it's not maybe the best place to do it. And someone had made a, um, a comment on, uh, on what they felt was add some is kind of like that. Uh, it's that, that light in the dark that hey, I'm out in the middle of the ocean and I see this light out there and I, you know, pull up anchor and I start, you know, tugging my boat over there. And all of a sudden I get to this Island where, damn, there's this party of like all these other, you know, captains that are doing the same thing that I am that I didn't even know this existed. And so drop anchor, get out and enjoy. And that's where they're able to actually have like, you know, those war stories, like, you know, captain to captains, you know, talking about fishing stories and stuff that's applicable to them. That's what, that's what we are for companies that are online that are selling products direct to consumers and are using performance marketing. How have you, how have you grown it? 
how have you marketed it to, to pick up new members, particularly in the early days when you didn't have the word of mouth to the extent that you're going to have now? So I've used some techniques that are very similar to what emailers do out there in the industry is I'll, uh, through a part of participating as a sponsor in the event, you must cross promote the event. And I did that for two, two specific reasons. One, because that was going to grow the community. And two, because it's not fair, in my opinion, to, tr- to run a show where you have maybe a competing customer service company show up that didn't sponsor the event and then just suitcase sale out of the event. What I wanted to do was create that exclusive experience. So for a customer service uh, company out there that are looking for large volume online advertisers, I wanted to entice them to not only sponsor the event, but also to promote the event. And then I wanted to give them the safety that when they promoted the event, even though they may have other competitors that are also at the event, they're also required to promote the event as well. So there's not a you know company A that shows up who didn't do any sponsorship. All they did was buy a ticket and then just show up and start suitcase selling to the sponsoring company's clientele. Um, I didn't want to create that type of environment. And, um, you know, I've gotten some flack for that, but I've also gotten a tremendous amount of, uh, of outpouring of uh, compliments and appreciation for that from the sponsoring comp- companies because the event in of itself cannot exist without sponsors. The, the price of tickets, and, and that's one of the things I learned with the, the, the war room as, as well, like the masterminds, unless it's a $25,000, like a year war room, monetarily and economically, it doesn't make sense to create something like that. You can't do an event where the attendees are only paying 1400 bucks or 1800 bucks or whatever that is, and, and actually have a worthwhile experience. And that's why they don't exist. People who pay 1400 $1,800 and there's no, there's no sponsors that are also helping foot the bill have a terrible experience. They go to these events and then they leave and they're thinking, God, this was shit. Like this was the terrible experience. This wasted my time and my money. So it, it only exists. This only works with the cooperation of the sponsors that are around in the industry as well. So it's a combination of the attendees and the industry around them. Got it. So basically, your sponsors are subsidizing the ticket price so that you keep it as low as possible to maximize the number of people that are able to come. It's a pretty, pretty sweet deal. Yeah, it's great for them because they, they get exposure, especially because we've been so focused on this, this narrow aspect of the online world that mm. they get big hitters and those big hitters make them money. And it also gives them a platform that doesn't require them to have a booth and a banner, which makes them try to like eke every second out of anyone who walks past their, their booth, yeah. to try to, you know, try to just, you know, grab a business card out of their pocket, like strip their pants down, you know, pull every business <laughs> card out of, out of their pockets. And then I'll call you later. Like that's the experience most people get from trade shows, which sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we created an entire weekend where they're all just hanging out together. Come and hang yeah, out. And it's, learn. It's so much better. And it's so much better. No, this has been absolutely amazing. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to deliver a message to that listener who's thinking of doing the mastermind. They're a little bit scared. They're, their creative juices are going now, but they're not going to do anything because they still have that fear. So if you could go back to yourself before you set up this thing, or you could go back to that person, what would you say to push them over to the edge to, uh, to get them going and setting up their own mastermind? So our life is made up of adventures. And when we are stagnant and not going out on adventures, we tend to live miserable lives. And if you want to continue to live in misery, 
Just keep doing what you're doing. Don't go face any dragons. Don't try to overcome any challenges. But if you want to live a little and you really want to experience growth, and if you're an entrepreneur out there that, you know, is, is looking to take it to the next level, find something to put yourself out there and, and do it, you know, in spite of the fear. The fear is going to be with you. I still have fear every time I'm throwing a new event. I have fear every time I launch a new product. I have I fear, you know, I encounter fear all the time, but you can't let that fear stop you from action. And action is what's going to take you past that fear, regardless of it. Uh, so if you're out there and you're thinking about that, you've got a community and, and you want to create something, you can start small, you know, cr- you know, create a, a little pilot group and, and start there for a while and see and find out t- you're testing the market, starting to see what people will respond to. And if they don't respond to it, then try something different. So you don't have to do a big bang and go out there and like totally fall on your face. You know, you can you can start small and you can you can work into it and overcoming that you'll really find and you'll be able to pivot based on, on on the feedback you're hearing. And that was what I did. So I can just speak from my own success at doing that. Fantastic advice. I got something on my wall, which says I only improve outside my comfort zone. And that's basically what you're saying, isn't it? Push yourself on because you don't know what sort of adventure you're going to have if you just sat around not fighting any dragons. That's exactly right. You know, I, I really look at the hero's journey as something that it, it's not just for us to sit and watch on TV or to watch in a movie, there's a reason why we're so compelled to watch that is because that is ingrained into us as humans. We are meant to prepare for a journey, go on a journey, and then return from it. And at some phase in that, there's a there's a challenge to overcome. There's a dragon. There's there's something out there that's that's waiting for us. Uh, and sometimes it may be waiting within us, and and that's the more uh, the more difficult one to overcome. So one of the things I found that's fun hanging around a lot of entrepreneurs is they tend to be very insightful with themselves, is specifically based on their success. So the more successful they are, the more in tune they are with themselves, and that's critical to growing through this uh, this success pattern. Fantastic advice, Nate. Fantastic. So where can people find out more about AdSum if they're interested in joining? And if they don't consider themselves to be a good fit, where can people find out more about you? Yeah. So for AdSum, you can go to www.adsum.net. That's a great place you can go and you can see pictures and stuff from last year. And and there's uh, registration links and stuff as well. You can also find out how to join the Slack community, which I would encourage you if you still want to kind of test the waters and see what this is all about. You can apply to join. It's not an automatic entry. I'll still screen you. And that's a great way to get in touch with me, too. Uh, You you can apply to join because it'll it'll get sent straight to my email. Um, And you can also follow me um, very public on LinkedIn, very public on Facebook. And, uh, and on Instagram as well. So I'm, I'm at Nate underscore Lind on Instagram. It's Nate Lind on LinkedIn and Nate Lind on Facebook. And um, I've got a ton of followers and I'm pretty public out there. Um, I don't have a tremendous amount of time. And what time I do have, I like to spend a little bit of it with my family. <laughs> so if you send me a message, I'll apologize in advance. It may take me just a little bit to get to you, but uh, uh, that's one way you can reach me. And then um, my email for my, uh, for my, for add some is Nate at adsum.net perfect and everyone go and check out Nate's beard check out and follow him on social media even if you just so you can see his beard <laughs> Nate this has been absolutely awesome thank you so much for sharing your insights really appreciate it buddy thanks for having me on Tim <laughs>